Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and we are so glad that we can be here in this facility today. Uh, And we are so glad that many of you uh, made it through Hurricane Matthew safe and sound Uh, because many of us uh, ended up losing power. Some of us lost some stuff. Uh, Some of us had damage to our homes or to our yards. And then some of us had damage to our businesses and then definitely what happened to our community. And then some of you are still digging out Uh, from restoring some of the things that are at your house. And so we're just thankful uh, that we can be here today. Now, I don't know about your experience with hurricanes, but let me tell you a little bit about my experience. So I grew up in Orlando for 18 years and was during a time of period where most hurricanes, if they were approaching Florida, would either veer and go off and hit the Carolinas or they would go into the Gulf. And so we just said, oh, they'll turn away. And so when Matthew was coming towards us, I just thought in my mind, you know, hey, no problem. It's going to go to the of us and away from us. And I just kept telling Sarah, hey, don't worry about it. You know, she's never been through a hurricane. This thing's going to go away from us. No problem. And then Matthew kept coming towards us and towards us. And she started getting nervous. I started getting nervous. And uh, we said, well, let's make the call on Thursday morning on what we're going to do. So we wake up Thursday morning and we turn on the news like everybody else. And all of a sudden it's turned into a category four hurricane and the eye is directly heading towards Flagler Beach. And we both look at each other and we're like, we probably should do something. And so we said, let's run through a couple what if scenarios. So what happens or what if, you know, we have these tall pine trees that are in these lots next to us and they fall and they fall into our house. You've got to understand we've got four kids who are under the age of seven, uh, one that's only four months old. And we said, what happens or what if, you know, a tree falls on our house and we've got to evacuate our house and get to one of our neighbors in 90 mile per hour winds with four kids. Uh, The other scenario that we ran through is what if, you know, our main windows blow out and we've got to get into the bathroom with four kids and spend several hours with 90 mile per hour winds uh, in that are taking place. So we said, we better evacuate. And you're thinking, yeah, you know, I mean, how long did it take you guys to get there? Um, But when you live with two perfectionists, uh, you're in trouble. But uh, anyways, so... Um, whether you braved out the storm or whether you stayed uh, here and, uh, or evacuated, uh, we are so thankful that it did not turn into a Category 5 hurricane and that uh, it did not directly hit us. But as Trent mentioned, continue to pray for those who are, uh, went through all the flooding, the storm surge, and so be praying for those who are in St. Augustine and up along the coast in the Carolinas as they experience a lot of flooding. Now, today we are picking up with part three of our message series called Live Rich. And if you're wondering what happened to part two, well, it got taken out by Hurricane Matthew, all right? Um, We will have part two, but after 3G Sunday. Now, let me bring everybody up to speed of where we have been in this series. So we are exploring in this series what it means to live rich. And so Trent had us imagine if we were to become rich, you know, what would we buy? Where would we go? What would we do with our money? And he threw out this interesting fact that um, if you make $34,000 a year, you are considered in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So if you make $34,000, you're rich. 
Okay, that's what happened two weeks ago as well. No one got excited. Um, and the reason is, is because we don't feel rich. Um, rich is that other guy. Rich is the person who makes $150,000, who has the nice house, has the boat, and has more stuff than us. Uh, but when we slow down and we think about what the world doesn't have, then we come to understand what Trent was talking about a couple weeks ago, or more specifically, what the Apostle Paul was writing about when he wrote this letter to a young protege named Timothy, to telling him or instructing him how to teach those who are rich and what to do in living rich. And so when we look at the rest of the world, uh, many of the world would love to have some of the problems that we rich people uh, have. And so uh, I don't know if you know this, but the average median income in the world is $1,225 a year. That's $23 a week. That's $4.71 a day. Could you imagine living on $4.71 a day? Now, when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, we are rich. And if you don't believe me, I, I kind of took some time to come up with some of my rich people problems, and I'm sure some of these are on your list as well, so we'll put them up on the screen here. So here's some of my rich people problems. Uh, number one is bad cell phone connection, all right? Number two is slow internet. Uh, number three is long lines at Walmart, all right? These are rich people problems. This is not just Palm Coast problems, all right? So we've got bad cell phone coverage, slow internet, long lines in Walmart. And the fourth, can't find a parking spot for my car. Or fifth, working five long hard days to pay for seven days of living. So we are rich, but yet we still don't feel like we are rich. And how is it that we don't feel rich? And the reason is, is because we have appetites. And what happens when you feed an appetite? You want more and more. And so when you have an appetite with money, you don't feel like you will ever have enough. When you have an appetite with money, you don't think that you can earn enough to be safe. When you have an appetite with money, it seems like we always need to get to a certain point, and if I get to that certain point, then I'll feel secure. So as we grow rich, we start to put our trust in our money to feel uh, safe and secure. And we start to drift away from the one who provides, as Trent talked about a couple weeks ago. So today, the question that I have for us, we're going to be checking out two big ideas. Two big ideas that help us to learn how to live rich, because we're rich and then we're also going to check out how it will help us from uh, keeping our appetites in check. Now, if you are uh, not a Christ follower, if you are just checking out this whole God thing, today you're going to see a side of God that might surprise you. Today you're going to see a side of God and how much he came up with these two big ideas a long time ago and that he originated them and how they benefit us and how much he cares for us. So if you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 for a little review, and then we're going to be moving on to verse 18 quickly. Um, so if you have your Bible or a smartphone device, uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one in the back for $20. Um, because you're rich? No, just kidding. Those are free for you. Those are a gift. Um, but go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy uh, 6, 
verse 17. I'll give you a second to get there. We're going to put them up on the screen as well, but it's good to read it in your Bibles. All right. Now, remember, this passage is where the Apostle Paul, who started many of the early churches and wrote many letters to all of them to show them how to live like Christ's followers, he's writing them to me, Timothy. Okay, it's kind of unique, you know, but, you know, he wanted me to tell you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, but he wrote them to his young protege named Timothy. And uh, th- this is what he instructs him. He's got some very specific things that he wants Uh, Timothy to say to rich people, and remember, that's us. So starting in verse 17, Paul says, teach us, teach those who are rich in this world not to be, and what's that word together? Yeah, proud, which means the more stuff that we have, something in us tells us that we deserve more, okay? So we deserve to drive a nicer car. We can't go back to driving a car like that. We deserve to live nicer because, you know, we can't live there anymore. We deserve to go on better vacations because we used to, you know, that's what we used to do. And so Paul would say that is a part of pride, that it builds up. And the way that pride at this kind of chunk of the represents pride is that when we start to get money, we start to lean more and more upon it. And that's pride. So he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. So here's what we learned in the first message. As our wealth increases, our trust tends to drift away from the one who provides and starts to, instead, our trust begins to be in our money. And so we begin to try to find safety in our money. We try to think that if we have more, uh, then we'll be okay. If we just had this certain amount, then uh, we'll be safe, you know? Or if we just achieve this certain lifestyle, then we will be okay. Now, the problem with that uh, line of thought is that when do we know that we have enough. What is enough to be safe and secure? Because here recently with Hurricane Matthew, in one storm, it could all be gone. It could be taken away from us in a moment. And doesn't our heart break for the beach communities who saw the storm surge and so much rainfall. Uh, This past week, I was speaking to a guy uh, who was working on a crew, and he was down from St. Augustine, and I said, man, how are you doing? Um, You had so much flooding going on. And as he started to talk about St. Augustine, he started to well up. He started to cry because he's never seen anything like that in the 35 years that he's lived in St. Augustine. And so we get that. Many of us have walked through those uh, streets in historic St. Augustine. We get that. Many of us who, some of us who live on the beach, our beloved A1A got destroyed, and it's going to take a very long time to fix that. Some of the houses that are along the coast over there got wiped out as well with flooding. And so we understand this. We understand that in an instant, things can change, and that no matter how much money we have, it will never be enough to keep us safe and secure. So, where do we put our trust, you know? We can't put our trust in money, so then how shall we live, you know? And God says, then live rich, 
And so we're going to check out this big idea. And the big idea that we're going to start out with is simply this. The more you have, the more rich you should be. The more that you have, the more rich you should be in good works. So let's begin to unwrap this. In verse 18, Paul says, tell them to use their money to do good. Now, let me bust kind of two myths right off the bat, okay? All right, so why would Paul tell rich people to use their money to do good? I mean, aren't rich people like generous? I mean, don't they just like give everything away? No, they don't, okay? There are many studies that show the richer that we get, the more that we hold on to it because there's a tension within us to want to make sure that we are safe and that we are secure. And so the more that we get richer, the more we hang on to that money. We may give sometimes more money in terms of the amount than other people, but we give less in comparison to percentages with the rest of people. And so... That is the first myth that we've got to bust. The other myth that we've got to bust, and I know that you're familiar with this one, so I need your help on this, is this statement right here. It has to do with time. We just don't have enough time, all right? So do you realize that if you work 60 hours in a week, and Cody helped me, he was a math major, like that's 60 hours, okay? So if you work 60 hours in a week and you sleep eight hours a night, seven days a week there, you still have... 52 hours to use as you would like. Now, don't answer this out loud, but have you ever stopped and evaluated what you do with that time? Have you ever stopped to evaluate how you're using it? And if you make more money where you have to work less, have you ever considered using that time for good instead of for ourselves? So that's what Paul is starting to get at. That's what God wants us to wrestle with. So let's continue to check out how God wants us to keep our appetites in check and how to live rich. In verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So God gives us money um, and time, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. And so God wants us to get this big idea is that the more that we have, the more rich and good deeds that we should be doing to those who are in need. But how do we do that? How do we manage to use our money and our time to do good things? You know, So in order to live rich, we have got to pre-decide. So Sarah and I, when we got married, we uh, right off the bat said, you know what? We pre-decided that 80% of our income we would live on. And so we came across some of these principles in scripture. It's called the 10-10-80 principle. And so we started to say, we are going to pre-decide to give 10% right off the bat to God, to his church, to do good things. And then we are going to take 10%. We pre-decided to give 10% to savings so that we could save on that. And we pre-decided to live on 80% uh, to live on. And what that has done, over time, as our income has gone up, we've had to pause. We've had to stop and check out those percentages because we, <clears throat> excuse me, we have more. And so um, we've had to pause and look at those percentages and adjust those percentages because we have more. And Sarah and I have the same tendency within us to start to trust in money more than the one who provides. 
So that's one way that you can guard your heart and keep that, epit- that appetite in check. Now, another way is to pre-decide what you're going to do with your time. And so um, many of us, we've got a lot of time on our hands. If you work 60 hours a week, you got 52 hours. And I went to a conference a couple years ago where there's a speaker who did not believe in God and he did this amazing study and he was trying to find out like how people are like satisfied with work, you know, are they, is it work that, you know, gives them a great satisfaction and everything. But what happened in the study is it took a different course. What he found in the results were those people who were most satisfied were in life were people who gave two to 11 hours outside of work each week in volunteering or in serving or giving to some kind of charity. And those people were more satisfied in life than those people who did not. And when I heard that and I've studied this passage, I said, you know, this is exactly what Paul is talking about. This past week, we went out three times to help people um, who need cleanup in hurricanes. And there was this one guy on the crew and he just kept saying over again, over and over, like how much he enjoyed just being out there and helping people. And he was just beaming. And every time we went to help somebody, he he just said, this is just amazing. He gave up one of his free days to come out and everything uh, to help us. And he serves here on a regular basis at Epic and he loves to serve. And the reason that he loves to serve and has found so much happiness is that he has pre-decided what he's going to do with his time each week and he has learned how to live rich. And that's why we're always encouraging everyone, everyone to get involved in some capacity, whether that's here at Epic or whether that's with some of our great partnerships that are out in the community. Uh, When we pre-decide with our money and our time to get involved, it not only benefits us, but benefits those in the community as well. And it's amazing how God changes our lives and he also changes the lives around us. That's God's economy. Well, let's continue and check out the second big idea that God has for us. So here's the second one, starting in verse 19. By doing this, that's using our money and our time to live rich, they or we will be storing up our treasure as a good foundation for the future so that we may experience true life. Now, what does Paul mean about the future? You know, uh, is he talking about the future? Is he saying that there's something more uh, beyond this life that we are experiencing right now? Is there something to come? Yes, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying there is a life to come after this world. Jesus taught on that on a regular basis, that one day we will be in heaven. And there, even if you believe in God or not, 90% of, or 97% of people, uh, Americans, believe that something's going to happen after this life. Now, Paul and Jesus never taught that, you know, you get into heaven by doing good works and God will outweigh those things or anything like that. Jesus and Paul taught it's based upon what you did with Jesus, that he died on the cross, that he died for our sins and have you accepted him into your life to forgive you of your sins. That's salvation. But after you come to faith in Christ Jesus, when you become a Christ follower, then Jesus, then Paul says, hey, here's something that you need to know. 
What you do in this life does count. There will be reward. There will be credit given to you in heaven with the things that I've entrusted to you. And so you should be motivated to do good things because our heavenly father has entrusted us with things to do while we are here on earth. Now, if you don't believe me, let's check out Jesus's own words, okay? So turn over to Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little background information there. And so on this occasion, Jesus was with his disciples and an argument breaks out in the crowd, okay? So he's with his disciples, there's a crowd, an argument breaks out and it breaks out about greed, okay? There's one relative who's accusing the other of being greedy, that never happens, right? You know, no one ever accuses anybody of being greedy. And so we text each other instead, but anyways, um, so Jesus tells a parable, a made up story to kind of illustrate a truth, um, to illustrate this main point that he wanted his crowd to get over this disturbance that's happening over there. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about and illustrates what he's talking about. So Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Then he, Jesus, told a story. A rich man had a fertile farm. So here's this rich guy. He's got this fertile farm that produced fine crops, that kept producing fine crops. And so here's this rich guy who keeps on getting richer. All right. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And at this point, everybody in Jesus's audience, us included, are saying, oh, poor rich guy. You know, I mean, he's getting more money, you know, poor guy. He's buying another house. You know, he's buying another car um, because... What's in us? We're envious. I'm envious. You know, I would love to be a rich guy, right? So Jesus continues. Then the rich guy said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough, uh, enough to store all my wheat and other goods. So the assumption of this guy is that this extra is for him. You know, I'll store it away. I'll hoard it. You know, I'll sit on it, you know, for my safety, for my security and everything. And we know that because he says this all of a sudden he says, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, if Jesus had stopped there, um, most in the audience and most of us would be like, man, that's a great story on saving. Jesus, you know, way to go. Thank you. We need to save our extra and everything. Um, you know, man, what a wise guy. He's saving for his kids. He's saving for his grandkids. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says to this, uh, or that God says to this guy in this story. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. Did Jesus just say that? Yeah. He calls him a fool because he's wealthy and he's sitting on his wealth and doing nothing with it. Listen as he continues. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Now to which this guy would have thought and we would have thought like, now wait a second, all right? My time can't be up. Look at all this stuff that I have, you know? I haven't been able to use it. Isn't that the point? Isn't that what Jesus is about to point out even more so? Listen to what God says in this story as he continues. He says, God says to this rich guy, then who will get everything you worked for? Someone else will, but it's not because he's been generous. It's because he has died. And so Jesus says this summary statement, which is 
powerful for us. So listen to what Jesus says to conclude this story. He says in verse 21, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So here's our second big idea. We don't get credit for what we leave. We get credit for what we give. We don't get credit for what we leave because we're all gonna leave whatever we have behind when we, go, when we die. Instead, we get credit for what we give. So all the stuff that we get isn't ours. If you wanna be rich towards God, if you wanna move God's heart, if you want to impress God, if you want to show God great love, he says, do something with your stuff for other people that I've created in my image. And so God wants us to live rich by being rich towards those he loves. Now, what happened last week as we went out with the hurricane, here's, here's what happened. And it's, it just displays something that Jesus talked about. Uh, in John 13, 35, Jesus said, your love for one another will prove or um, will show to the world that you are my disciples. And so when we went out to help those who need to clean up after the storm, um, we started with those people that were right here at Epic, um, those people who were associated with Epic, because that's just the people that we knew. And we said, hey, you need help. And we just kept getting all these things. So when we went out there, this is what would happen. We'd show up and this Epic person sometimes didn't know we were going to show up and sometimes they did. Uh, we would show up and their neighbors would be like, who are these people? You know, they just pulled up in all these cars and they got out and they started cleaning up your yard. Who are these people? And, and the epic person got to say, it's my church. It's my church. Yeah, you guys, it's awesome. And here's what's really cool. So after we would clean up, you know, that person's yard, we would turn to that neighbor and said, and this blew him away, how can we help you? It looks like you've got some trees down. Can we help you out? And it blew them away. They could not believe it. And it happened over and over again and again. And it was awesome to watch God's people being rich towards others. Something that lasts. Something you will never forget. Something that you will never regret when you give of your money and your time. Now, here's something that's even more impressive, something that we've been working on since the beginning of Epic, something that we will continue to always do here at Epic for as long as we exist, something that many of you guys have been a part of since day one and continue to be a part of. Many of you have pre-decided to give of your money and your time to show this community that we are for them, that God is for them. And so many of you on a regular basis, each week, you give of your time to serve here, to make a place that people love to attend, where we can invite our friends and our family members. Many of you on a regular basis, when we do regular serving events to show our community that we are for them, continue to be a part of those things, to show our community that we are for them, that God is for them. Many of you partner with our partners who are doing a great work in this community on a regular basis. And here's what happens, okay? When people see us loving one another, when people see us loving our community, then it changes their perception of Christ's followers. Instead of being known for what we are against or for our beliefs, they know an extraordinary love from the Heavenly Father through your actions because you simply pre-decided what you're going to do with your money and with your time. 
And so my question for all of us today is, have you ever paused? Have you ever recognized there, there's this appetite in you that wants safety and security, but no matter what you get or whatever certain amount that you're aiming for, when you get there, it's just not enough. And yet things like the hurricane take out what we've been building up. And yet God says, you know what? There's something better. I recognize what you do. When you do good things, I reward you in heaven. That's how you are to live rich. And so the challenge for all of us is to pause and evaluate. What are we doing with our money? What are we doing with our time? So here's what you can do to join us. So we are constantly serving our community. And next week, as Trent mentioned, we have 3G Sunday upon us. That is our flagship event. And so it is the one Sunday of the year that we cancel services. Instead, we ask you to come here to go out to do 16 various projects in our community in Palm Coast, in Bunnell, in Flagler Beach. And we gather here for a moment. We check in at 8.15 and we have a little quick service at 8.30, get with all the teams and everything and then we go out and we serve and we give of our time to our community. And it's amazing what happens. And I tell you what, you are so amazing that it reminds me when I read the New Testament, when I read about the early church, that's exactly what Jesus intended for his followers to do, to be generous in good works, to be generous with our money, to show people that they matter to him. And so for 3G Sunday, we try to make it really easy for you to serve. So we've got sign up, we've got a team that works really hard to coordinate all these things, all the different projects that are going on. We need you to sign up today. We have 350 spots that we're looking to fill, okay? We need you to come here at 8.15. We gather at 8.30. Most of the projects last from 8.30 to noon. Some go beyond that. We even have childcare for those who are in nursery through kindergarten. And we have projects for first graders on up. And so we need you to sign up for a project. We still need about uh, 200 people to sign up to make us like full for these projects and everything. And because of Hurricane Matthew, we got cut short on our signups last week. And so we would have had live signups last week. So today is the final day to like sign up live right here today. And so we need you to do that. Let me highlight a few of the projects that we need a lot of help on. So you've got a sheet of uh, projects in your seats, okay? And here's where we need some big help. So all the projects are listed here. I'm gonna highlight uh, several of them that we still need help on. The first is we need about 10 people on the Frida Zamba pool project. And a couple years ago, we painted the entire buildings out there and the city was super impressed and we got their permission, of course. But anyways, um, what happened was they wanted to recognize us at their council meeting. So we went there and the mayor, I'll never forget this, said that it touched his heart that a church would ask what it could do for its community. And so what a major impact on someone who potentially, I don't know, but you know, people who might never step in a church. And so we need some people to help finish off that project. They've got some tons of benches that they want painted. And so we're going to do that. Then the second project that we really need a lot of help on, we need 17 people on the Habitat Home Praying Project. So we've, since the beginning that Epic started, we've had a partnership with Habitat for Humanity because they do an amazing job. All right. So this house that they have just needs its exterior to be painted for a family. 
Now, we've had several families, because of what you guys do on these projects, come and, and are a part of Epic. And so let's go out and show another family that they matter. And then another project, the bike repair project, that's associated with Project Share, put on in uh, partnership with the Rotary Club. Uh, once a year, they take all the bikes that they've collected and they clean them up and they fix them and all that stuff. So if you've got bike repairing skills, that's great. If you don't, don't worry. They'll show you a, full, a few cool things. Uh, they'll help you. We got to clean all the bikes, organize them and everything. And so we still need 18 people on that project. Then Habitat asks us to do another major project. They, they love us, all right? So this is what happens. They, the guys who are in charge of all the sites, they're like, hey, let's load them up on work, all right? So they want to put trusses on two of the houses that they're currently building. So we need like 10 strong people, okay? You're stronger than me. So we need 10 strong people to get out there to help complete these two homes. And then because of the hurricane, we had to cancel our beach cleanup projects because it's just too dangerous right now with all the debris and all the stuff, you know, for little kids and everything like that. So here's something that is really cool that happened. One of our volunteers was talking to somebody and, and saying how it was canceled. And this guy overheard that we'd had to cancel that. And he said, hey, um, I'm over all the parks of Flagler Beach. We could use your help cleaning up the parks and not like chopping trees or anything like that. We've done that. We just need, you know, there's all this debris in all these parks. So if you're looking for an alternative to the beach cleanup, we still need 35 people. This would be family friendly to go and help clean up the parks in Flagler Beach. And then uh, we've still got a lot of trees down. And so uh, the hurricane cleanup project, if you can work a chainsaw, if you can't, uh, Trent might teach you, don't, yeah, just stay away from Trent on chainsaws. But anyways, um, we could use your help. If you can lift tree limbs and branches and carry them to the curb, there are still a lot of trees down. We need 36 people for that. And then we've got the Open Door Ministries, amazing ministry. They've just started kind of getting the ball rolling. Uh, they help people who've been incarcerated transition back into the community. And they are doing amazing work. So they're fixing up a couple houses to be able to do that. So they need 10 guys to help fix this house up that's got roof, you know, inside the roof tiles that they need done and stuff like that. So we need your help on that. And then finally, the last project is the Family Life Center. So that's our uh, local or our county domestic violence uh, shelter. And so there are women and children, and every year we put on a fall festival, and the women and children, they change. Um, but here's what's really cool. They love it when we put on this fall festival because it allows them to feel kind of normal. It allows them to enjoy life for a day. And I can't tell you how many of them are so thankful uh, when we come out and do something like that. And even though it feels small to us, it means the world to them. They feel so valued um, that somebody would come out and do that for them. So we need five more people to sign up for that project. You've got to be background checked. Um, so if you've been background checked with us, uh, I think that's okay. They'll tell you at the uh, desk. Uh, if not, you've got to fill out some paperwork today to be involved with that project. Now, here's what we need you to do. We just need you to sign up, okay? And we also need you to grab a spiritual growth challenge today from the Connection Center. On there, we've got a prayer guide, and we need to pray this week for our community for those communities that are still undergoing a lot of difficulties. And we need to pray for next week for this event, that we can show our community that we are for them, 
that we are living rich through our prayer and through our time that we are committing to them. And so let's pray. And uh, if you would, let's stand. And then after we pray, sign up. All right. So everybody, let's stand and close in a word of prayer. So Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for everyone that is here. God, thank you that that storm did not turn into a category five and that we did not receive a direct hit. Uh, Father, thank you so much for so many. I mean, I've been so impressed with all the local churches that are reaching out in our community, in many communities, many organizations that are Christ followers who come in and from here all the way up to the Carolinas are helping people. That's just impressive. Who does that? Who gives of their time? Who gives of their money? when we have so many appetites that want more. So Father, we have a real way that we can show our community that we are for them and live rich through our good deeds. And so Father, I just pray for each person here. I pray that we would continue to help our neighbors, not just through an event, but God, that you would help us to see how to live rich. And it's amazing that one day, you say you're gonna reward us for that. You don't have to do that but that's how much you love us. And so, Father, we thank you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.